The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Merry Christmas. Maybe a... uh, Merry Christmas Eve Eve. How's that? We're, we, you've still got a little bit of time tomorrow, all right? A little bit of time. But we are here tonight for one very, very special reason. We want to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And, and I want to do that in a very laid-back way. Not that we shouldn't be reverent. Not, not that there shouldn't be moments of seriousness. But I don't want you to miss this because you're worried about something else. Okay, and I say this almost every Christmas Eve Eve. Just breathe. Just breathe. My family's got two rows of people back there. Some of them drove like 13 hours to be here. Like, just breathe. Just, just, just breathe and realize that for the next 50 minutes, there's a God that loves you more than you can ever know. And he's worthy of praise. But even if... You choose not to do that tonight. The Bible says that if we don't, then like the trees and the rocks and everything else will. So there's literally zero pressure here. You can't mess that up. So breathe. Breathe and just sit in this moment. If you're here with two rows of people, grab their hands. Tell them you're glad they're here. Like don't let this be some stressful thing. Because I believe that in the next 50 minutes, should you choose to, God could potentially and radically change your life. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray to start it. I'm going to talk for just a few minutes. I, I think a lot of people like know the whole game plan. So I'm going to tell you the whole game plan, okay? I'm going to pray, talk for just a couple minutes, then we're going to take communion all together. Because that's beautiful and good. And after that, I'm going to talk for just a little bit more. And we're going to sing some more. And then we're going to be done. So when I say, like, it's just take a breath moment, just take a breath. That's all we're going to do. Let's pray first. See what God's going to do with us here tonight. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we get to come together to celebrate you, to celebrate your son, Jesus, to celebrate what we call Christmas, but it's really Jesus. And Jesus, we want to celebrate you tonight. So I pray that you meet us wherever we are at, Regardless of what we came in here with, regardless of our expectations of tonight, I pray you meet us where we're at. And the Father, by your grace, we could worship and praise your Son. We could leave her looking more like him. And this Christmas season, at least the next few hours of it, truly could be focused on you. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so, I know we've got some kids in the room, okay? I know we've got some kids, and that's okay. Uh, I love kids, love, love being here. Um, if, if you have lived more than three decades, okay, if you've lived more than three decades, you have experienced what I call many life-game-changing moments. The, the game changes. Now, there, there's many of them, but for some reason I feel like they, they kind of squeeze into the first two, three decades of your life. 
For me, when I was 24, I got my first smartphone. That was a game-changing experience. Smartphone. You have a phone, but you don't care that it's a phone because it is a computer, and it is a DVD player, and it is a Game Boy. Like, it is everything you've ever wanted as a person. I got one when I was 24. Dropped it, cracked the screen hours after I got it. Devastated my life. And it was on Christmas Eve. Actually, got on Christmas Eve, broke it, just sat there on Christmas Day, sat. So... A smartphone is a game-changing moment. Now, un- the reality for our culture is that is now on the kindergarten supply list, okay? So you, get, you go to kindergarten and you get a smartphone. So about age of five, you get your, you get your first smartphone. That, it's a game-changing moment. Every kid's like, Mom, but you're going to have to give me one because you're going to need to know where I'm at. It's like, they don't want to call you, Mom. Don't let, don't, don't let them fool you. They want all the other features of a smartphone. You move to 16. What happens at 16? Hopefully. Driver's license, keys to the open road. You're free. You're no longer restrained. Mom and dad don't have to take you everywhere anymore. You get your driver's license, and you are on it. If you're the oldest sibling, you realize within a week, it is not all it's cracked up to be. (laughs) Because now mom and dad have a chauffeur for your little siblings. As you take yourself wherever, young man, you can also drop your sister off here, here, and here. We'll see you back by 9 o'clock. But it's game-changing. When you get your own car, you can drive. When you can drive, it's game-changing. Sometime between the age of 18 and 30, you move out of your parents' house. That happens. Some, somewhere in that window, that's probably going to occur. For some, you go off to college. For others, you get military. For others, you just hang out until they say, you got to go. <laughs> but when you're on your own, that's game-changing. Like, I got to keep this house clean. I'm going to pay the rent. The the utility company wants money every single month. It's game-changing to be on your own. Then some of you fall in love, and you get married, and it's beautiful. And you're reminded very quickly as a married person that you are not the only individual in your world anymore. And it changes the game. Because if you're supposed to be, if you're a good spouse, then the other person is more important than you. And selfishness comes really easy for most of us. So in marriage, we're very excited until we realize how selfish we are. Then if you really want to change the game, have a baby. Every parent knows. If you want to change the game completely, produce a child. My wife and I waited about four years before we had a baby, and we've been now with children for seven years. We talk on a monthly basis. What did we do for those first four years? We really missed an opportunity. We should have done so much more as a married couple, but you don't see it because things like that, they change the game. Life has game-changing moments. Tonight, though, we're here to celebrate what I'm calling the second greatest eternal game-changing moment. Because while in your life you have game-changing moments, there are eternal game-changers. Things that have happened over the course of humanity that change the game. Let's go all the way back to the beginning, okay? Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve, God speaks them in existence. Initially, they just get to walk and talk with God. Like perfect harmony between the created and the creator. It's beautiful. I I can't picture how amazing that would be. Fast forward a number of years. We don't know how long. 
But this thing called sin enters into the world. That is the first eternal game changer. Sin enters into the world, and all of a sudden this God who created and loves you goes, I can't be with you anymore because you disobeyed me. Now there's this wall between us and him. That's an eternal game changer. Because your eternity is dependent upon you finding your way back to him. So that game changer is huge. There was a second game changer, a guy named Moses. God loves his people. He wants to be able to spend eternity with them. But they keep being disobedient. So God goes, let's, let's make some laws. Let's make some rules. That way my people will be set apart and they'll be holy. Let's make some rules. And if, our, if my people follow those rules, then, then they can be with me. And initially it started with ten of them, the ten commandments. And then God added several more. The majority of those rules, though, revolved around a sacrifice. Like if you do this kind of sin, you got to make this kind of sacrifice. If you do this kind of sin, you got to make this kind of sacrifice. And Moses came down off a mountain with a system of rules. That was about 2,000 years ago. That didn't work out so well. Because it turns out God's creation, you and me, we're not real good at obeying rules. It kind of just points out actually how disobedient we are. But God loved us enough to institute a third eternal game changer. The, the one we're here to celebrate tonight. He sent his son to this earth. And he was born a baby in a manger. And that changes the game dramatically because kind of like back in the garden, God with man, man with God, sin separates it. But then God says, I, I want him. I want you and I want you bad. So I'm going to change the rules again. And I'm going to invade the earth. Matthew 1, verse 23. The virgin, that's Mary. She'll conceive and she'll give birth to a son. That's Jesus. And they will call him Emmanuel. It's a fun name because that name means God with us. God back in our midst. And it's not like God just said, hey, I want to kind of in invade here. Jesus had a great purpose, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, God didn't just invade. He brought peace to earth. He brought hope to you. Allowed joy, true joy. Angel, shout out today in the town of Bethlehem. Savior's been born. I bring you good news of great joy and life. Not just life now, but life eternal. It's a massive eternal game changer. But I said it's only the second most impressive. Because the first most impressive eternal game changer was the death of Christ. And I know you're like, dude, this is Christmas, not Easter. Don't waste your Easter talk tonight. But there's a reason why within the church these are our two big holidays. 
because they're the two most eternal game-changing moments. God invades earth, and 33 years later, Jesus dies. 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ also died for sins once and for all. Remember those rules, those laws Moses got? He just filled them all. We don't have any more sacrifices to make. He just did it. He died once for all, for all those sacrifices. The just, that's God, the holy, the righteous, for the unjust, that's us, the sinners. So that he might bring us to God. How awesome. What a game changer. Created to be with God, sin destroys it. We try some rules, those don't work. God invades just so he can die, so that Jesus in his death can bring us back into relationship with God. Having been put to death in the flesh, made alive in the spirit. That's a game changer, church. And I don't know that you necessarily feel it all the time. And I know it's Christmas. And it's supposed to be like, la 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 And we'll get there. <laughs> but first, I want us to just kind of sit in the reality of how big this moment is. We're celebrating that God came to earth. That's Christmas. We're remembering that God didn't just come to earth to hang out. He came to earth to die so we can be with him again. And as a church, the best way we do that is by taking communion. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do that. And there's a bunch of you in here. So it's going to take a minute to do that because we're going to pass it to you. But ushers, you go get ready to start doing that. <coughs> and for everyone else, remember how I told you to breathe? I want you to breathe again now. And in just a moment, someone's going to pass a piece of bread and a cup to you. Here's the whole reason for that. So that you can remember that fourth game-changing moment. So that you can remember that Jesus came so that you could be with God. Now, for some of you, that's not really going to mean much. But for others, that's going to be everything. Because you know what it is to walk with God, to talk with God. And that's only possible because of what Jesus did. We're going to sing two songs, and you're going to stay seated the whole time. We're going to pass while those songs are happening. It's, it's going to be wonderful. You're going to have seven minutes, seven minutes to just sit and think. But before you take that bread and that cup, the only thing I ask is that in your heart you would say, thank you, Jesus, for changing the game. Thank you, Jesus, for changing the game, and then you take it. That's all I ask, is that you take a moment to do that. you got seven minutes to get there. But Father, as we remember your son Jesus, I pray that tonight we would say thank you for your birth and your death. Come now and receive your praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What is, our, what is our proper response when God changes the game? 
It's, it's a big question, but what is, what is it? When Moses got the law up on the mountain, he, he worshiped, he praised God for that opportunity. When Jesus was born, go, go look. The amount of people that were privy to that was very small. Very select few, really. Jesus wasn't born with like trumpets and earthquakes. That's for his, his next coming. Little town, little nowhere. Only a few people even knew. But the ones who did, the ones who did, look what they all did. There were some shepherds out in a field counting sheep. They were some of the first to know how they got so lucky. I'll, ne I'll never know. But, but they were some of the first to know. And when they found out, look what they did. Luke chapter 2, verse 20. The shepherds returned after seeing Jesus. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Things which they were just told. They, they find out, they glorify God and praise him. All right, so, so that's the shepherds. There were some wise men called the Magi. They see a star and they follow it. Takes them a long time, hundreds of miles, but they arrive. Finally get to see this baby king. What do they do? Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened up the treasures they had and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, if anyone would get a pass on praising God during these game-changing moments, it'd be the angels, because, I mean, that's kind of what they do. They're like kind of the choir, right? They might, they might get a pass on this. They're the messengers, the select few that get to come down and tell, tell the shepherds, hey, Jesus is born, the king is here. Look what they do. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, just to be fair, there's one dude that knew about the birth of Jesus and didn't respond that way. Just to be fair, one, one, Revelation 12, verse 13 and 17. When the dragon, a Satan, saw that he'd been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. He went after Mary. Verse 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Or Mary's offspring, thankfully John tells us. Those who keep God's commandments and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. So if you want to be honest, there was one dude that wasn't too keen on Jesus being born. So you pick... Shepherds, wise men, angels, praise. I kind of want to be on their team. But there's something about praise. There's something about it that is part of who we are, how we're hardwired. C.S. Lewis is probably one of the smartest dudes that's lived in the last century. Here's what he says. 
I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Once again, pretty smart guys, so probably listen to them. We delight to praise what we enjoy. Because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It's not just like, oh Jesus, I love you. It's, it's all part of it. It's all part of the love that I have for you. It's not out of compliment that a husband and wife tell one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. My wife's back there saying, Amen. I, I can feel love. I can sense beauty for my wife, but until it is expressed, the delight is incomplete. In church tonight, if we praise what we delight in and enjoy, and, and we do, our sports teams, our fishing stories, and we, we praise what we delight in, what parent has ever had a child, even if that child wasn't necessarily supposed to happen, what parent has ever held their newborn child and not just been like, I need to go tell someone about this. Absence of praise, at least here tonight, ought to be an alarm. It ought to send off a message that Maybe there's something off. And for some tonight, what that may be is that you just don't know this Jesus. I would say that of all the decisions and choices that you will make in your life, the decision to seek and know him is the greatest one. And I would just encourage you in this moment to hear this truth of how God invaded earth for you so that you might be with him. And all it takes is faith in Jesus to do so. I, I would just encourage you to hear that truth and at least wrestle with it. But then there's others in this room who believe that that delight, that joy, maybe it's been missing for a while. We praise what we delight in. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to remember the birth of Christ for the next few moments. We're going to remember it. And as the shepherds and the wise men and the angels did, we're going to praise the name of Jesus. And if you delight in him, that's going to come very naturally. It's going to actually complete that joy. It's going to fulfill that delight as you praise him. If you don't, then I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to sit in that truth just for the next few moments. Ask yourself, why? Why does it not? God changed the game so that you could know him. And tonight, because he changed the game, I delight to worship him. And I would invite you, one and all, as part of our Christmas celebration, to do that with me. So if you would, would you just stand up? Would you set your eyes and your mind and your heart on Jesus? The one who changed the game. 
And would you praise him because you delight in him? Jesus, come and receive your just and due praise. We thank you for invading our earth, for changing the game. And we give you all the honor and glory that is due you. To your name we pray. Amen.